You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. This episode of The Same Old Dolphin Show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the very best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Big news! Manscaped just released their new cologne scent to help you feel good and smell good all over and at all times. Who knew smelling this good could feel this good too? Listen, everybody knows Manscaped has the perfect package 3.0 for all your below-the-waist grooming needs, but they didn't stop there. You can now complete your grooming game with the new Refined Cologne Signature Scent by Manscaped. It's quarantine. It's early 2021, but, you know, it's it's still... we're dealing with the holdovers from 2020 and you know what that means you're spending a bunch of time at home you're probably not paying that close of attention to all of your needs sometimes you're letting things sort of get away from you a little bit if you know what I mean and and listen and then suddenly you got an emergency trip to the grocery store that you got to make because you ran out of pork rinds or potato chips or something like that you got to run to the store and you always want to make sure you're looking your best because in quarantine even the trip to the grocery store is an occasion it's an opportunity to get out of the house so you gotta set yourself up make sure you smell good so you can catch the attention of that special someone whoever they might be and with the same signature scent that's in all of manscapes formulas this cologne is the perfect complement to the collection. It's light, approachable, and gentlemanly in all the right ways. Think of it as your wingman for the night to keep you fresh and ready for anything. It's calming and inviting. The refined cologne introduces a light citrus burst before settling into the anchoring notes of vetiver and a woodsy, masculine finish. This spray cologne is even hypoallergenic cruelty-free, dye-free, paraben-free, and 100% vegan. This comes in a beautifully designed glass bottle that makes a statement, and the manly scent is attractive to set the mood. Also, you got to be sure to check out the Perfect Package 3.0 with all of the essentials for your below-the-waist grooming needs, including the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer and crop formulations. Yes, I am talking about ball deodorant and toner to keep your testes besties. You know what I'm talking about. And now you can use the new Manscaped Refined Cologne to complete your set and smell great anytime, anywhere. Guys, it's time to feel sexy. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code DOLPHINSTALK at manscaped.com. Your balls and your body will thank you. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code DOLPHINSTALK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code DOLPHINSTALK. Look good, smell good, feel good with Manscaped. And now, let's get on with the show. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins. 
Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Oh, it's a bounce back episode for Aaron the Brain. Feeling much better. Feeling much better, feeling good, looking good, and brain, what a time. It's time to look back on the 2020 Miami Dolphins season that was. We're not gonna go, we're not gonna go over everything with a fine-tooth comb and go over every little fumble and every little snap, but we are gonna go back and revisit some of our preseason predictions, some of which were close, some of which were not. But we're going to go over all of that and, uh, you know, we're just going to sort of put a put a button on the end of the 2020 season as the Dolphins move into the offseason and what lies ahead. So we're going to do all of that on this episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. But before we do that, as always, an invitation to all of you, if you're not doing so already, to follow us on social media. I am on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. He is on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. That's A-A-Ron the Brain. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. You can also watch every episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. Hi, YouTube. Knocking you out first this time. Uh, make sure that you go to YouTube.com, do a search for Dolphins Talk, all one word. You'll find the channel. Smash the subscribe button because... More content is coming your way. Right now, the Dolphins, uh, right now, same old Dolphin show is pretty much one of the things that is most frequently uploaded, but you'll see there's going to be a lot more content coming your way soon, including we've got a 2020 Dolphins highlight video up there right now. So with this being the 2020 wrap-up show, it's the perfect time to head over to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel and smash the subscribe button. After you do that, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, anywhere where you can get podcasts and make sure you are subscribed to the same old Dolphin Show. Additionally, we invite you to where you're able, leave a five-star rating, leave us a positive review. It helps the show out a lot, and we greatly, greatly appreciate that. Finally, every episode of the same old Dolphin Show is available at DolphinsTalk.com. It is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. It's the place to go for all the latest Miami Dolphins news and information. So make sure you're visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day, particularly now as there are constantly conversations happening every day, rumors flying around. This is not going to be a quiet offseason for your Miami Dolphins. Free agency is right around the corner. The draft is beyond that. And folks, there's going to be news breaking constantly and dolphinstalk.com is your one-stop place to get all of the latest news all of the opinion pieces it's there a lot of great columns we've got podcasts we've got all kinds of stuff over there dolphinstalk.com so make sure you're over there dolphinstalk.com and finally patch vibes listen folks we Patch Vibes. If you haven't checked out Patch Vibes already, you got to do it, okay? Head over to patchvibes.com. There are, there are Miami-themed patch pins and t-shirt company, okay? They've got classic anniversary patches. Like, you might remember the... Um, 
the 25th anniversary of the Miami Dolphins. They had a special patch that they wore on their on their jerseys that year. They sell those kinds of throwback patches over at Patch Vibes. The the Shula patches from this year that that the players wore on their uniforms. You can get those over at Patch Vibes. They've also got special Tua patches, Dan Marino jersey patches. They're working on a Zonka design right now. On top of that, they've also got a number of different t-shirts. So you can get that uh the Dolphins GTA shirt. You can get that the 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 Fitz Magic, that night in Vegas, Fitzpatrick shirt, you can get that, check it out. So whether it's current or throwback Miami Dolphins at Patch Vibes, they've got you covered. So we invite you to head over to Patch Vibes, use the promo code Josh, J-O-S-H. You're going to save 20% off of your order at Patch Vibes. So head over to PatchVibes.com and get yourself set up with some Miami Dolphins merch, some unique and exclusive Miami Dolphins merch only at Patch Vibes. Brain, we got to do this season review, but before we can do the season review, there's something else that's just not going away. And I'm talking about Deshaun Watson. It's the rumors are flying. There were a couple of reports, two more reports that came out over the weekend um, about Deshaun Watson that really started to indicate that things in Houston are even worse than anybody could have suspected. I mean, when we recorded that show last week, we just sort of recorded it because there was this idea that if, in fact, (laughs) if, in fact, uh, Watson was going to be uh, made available, you know, we had to talk about it and we had to talk about what that might mean for the Dolphins. But, you know, I think even at the time that we were recording, we sort of suspected, I don't know that there's really a great possibility that this is actually going to happen. It was still kind of a hypothetical, but a couple of reports came out, one from Sports Illustrated and another from ESPN that indicated that things are much worse in Houston than anybody suspected and that it really feels like the feeling inside the Houston Texans organization is that Deshaun Watson has played his last snap for the Houston Texans. And, you know, the Texans are sort of running around right now trying their best to sort of make good on this situation and put out this fire. I, I think Mike Florio described it as a five alarm fire in Houston. And yeah, I would I would say that that's probably an accurate way to reflect it. So, uh, you know, one of the problems that that Watson had was that uh, I guess the team decided that you know, for whatever reason, they didn't interview Robert Sala, who was one of his two head coaching um, thoughts. The two of the guys that he was considering that he wanted the team to consider for head coach. What was Robert Sala? The other was Eric Bieniemy, and the team did not interview either of them. Sala has since been hired by the Jets, and then the the Texans are now going out of their way to try to bring in Bieniemy for purposes of putting him together for uh, bringing him in for an interview. But, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're scrambling to try to make him happy. And it sounds like that unless, unless the Texans decide, yes, we're going to bring in Eric Bieniemy, and Eric Bieniemy is somehow able to do a ton of damage control. It seems like Deshaun Watson has played his last snap for the Houston Texans. And this line, this little 
excerpt from the story that was published on ESPN.com on Sunday kind of says it all. You know, there's been a number of Texans that have spoken out, including Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, who have both sort of come out and said, Deshaun, you got to get out of there. But former Texans receiver Andre Johnson weighed in publicly this past week, tweeting that Watson should, quote unquote, stand his ground and calling out executive vice president of football operations Jack Easterby. But a source close to Watson told ESPN's Chris Mortensen that firing Easterby would not resolve the issue, saying that Cal McNair would have to fire Cal McNair. Cal McNair is the owner of the Houston Texans, and he is not going to be firing himself. So it sounds like Watson's issues are rooted in culture and that he wants out. So before we get into, I, we don't want to get into all of the possibilities of what would a trade mean and this, that, and the other thing, because we, we sort of covered all of that. But Brian, there's a significant amount of smoke surrounding this Deshaun Watson story. There's a significant amount of smoke. And frankly, there is fire. The the It is at this point, there's not really a question about where Deshaun Watson lies with the with the Houston Texans. He wants out. I think that's clear at this point. The thing that's murky about this is he's got a no trade clause. Uh and he's also under contract for four more seasons. So Houston does not need to trade him and even if they were to trade him uh, you know, ultimately Deshaun Watson would have the power of deciding who he would, he'd be willing to play for. And we don't know. We, it reports have said that the Dolphins would be a team that he would be willing to go to. And that's fine. That's well and good. But we don't know that the Miami Dolphins necessarily are interested. Now, I'm sure there is some interest there. <laughs> I'm there sure there has but to be at least yeah. at least yeah. let's go call him up and have a conversation. But the question is how much interest is there because how look they've said all the right things as far as how they feel about Tua and his development as a rookie. They said he's going to be and that's look that could be 100% true and it could be total BS. And either way, they said the right thing because the last thing that you want to do is call into question that situation because now, one, you've you've potentially damaged uh, your relationship with that player, plus you've shaken the belief uh, that your team has in that player, and you've taken away your leverage as far as your trade because right now if you're saying all these things about we're extremely happy with Tua and he's our starting quarterback then you're telling the Houston Texans hey sure do we have some interest if the price is right sure but we're not going to just throw you a king's ransom for Deshaun Watson because we're perfectly happy with the guy that we have so they're saying all the right things but we don't really know uh, because look, a couple of weeks ago, and everybody's made a big deal out of this when it got said, but a couple of weeks ago, Chris Greer had his postseason press con- press conference or his end of season press conference, and he said 
Tua is going to be our starting quarterback. And everybody was up in arms. like, oh my God, I can't believe he committed to that. Like, why are you committing to that? Well, in that same press conference, he also said that the entire coaching staff was going to be back. And then the next day, Chan Gailey resigned. So, I mean... They've also parted ways with Marion Hobby since then, too. Right. So, I mean... What does it really mean? It doesn't really mean anything. So, uh, what, what they, what Chris Greer has shown you is that, look, these press conferences, they, like, they're going to say the right things. They're going to say what they need to say to convey the message that they want to convey, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the truth. So, uh, we don't really know, uh, how much interest the Dolphins have in him, but what I'll say is, They'd be crazy not to have a good amount of interest. And given the way this situation is playing out, if Deshaun Watson truly wants to be a Miami Dolphin, he has all of the power. Well, maybe not all of the power because he is under contract. So at the end of the day, if Houston doesn't get a trade that they like, they could just play hardball and say, look, you can sit out. I don't know that that would necessarily behoove them. As an organization, sure. But if they really felt strongly about it and they weren't getting what they presumed uh, to be a fair deal, they could ultimately play hardball, and then it becomes this game of chicken. And this isn't a guy with one year left on his contract. This is a guy with four years and a lot of money at stake. So you would think that if it really came down to it. He could sit out a long time, but I don't think he's sitting out a season, and I don't think he's sitting out. I I don't even know that he'd sit out any regular season time, and that's going to be kind of the gamble. It's going to be a three-month chicken fight, a three-month poker match, I think, between Deshaun Watson and, uh, and the Houston Texans. But here's the thing. If Deshaun Watson, because he has a no-trade clause, wants to be a Miami Dolphin, he can simply say, I'm out. I want to be traded and I want to be traded to Miami. So make it happen. And then the onus really falls on to Chris Greer and the Miami Dolphins because now you've got a situation where everybody knows that this guy wants to come here. You've got leverage, but at that point, you kind of have to get the deal done. Sure. I mean, you, 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 you might not have to give up a ton. You're pro- but you've got to you've got to get the deal done, and you got to do what you got to do to get it done. And unfortunately, you know that's going to mean moving on from Tua. But we don't know that they're willing to do that. But I, to me, it's a no brainer at that point. Uh, if you get them for you know two firsts and two seconds, I mean that's that's a bargain for a, a top five quarterback absolutely and I think I think it goes without saying that if Watson truly is done being Houston and I, I mean I think it I think it unlikely that he finishes his time in Houston and then decides that there's nobody else other than Miami and that Miami's the only team he's interested in waving the no cl- trade clause for. I, I think it's much more likely that he says to, you know, Nick Casario and he says, listen, we're done here. 
I, I don't want to play here anymore. I don't want to play for this team. It has nothing to do with you, new general manager who was just hired, but I don't want to play here anymore. Um, I, I think Nick Casario can turn around and say, listen, I understand. I get that. And I'm going to make a good faith attempt to deal you to somewhere, but I need you to expand the list of teams that you're willing to go and play for because otherwise I can't get what I need from this. And then, you know, so it, it seems really unlike unlikely that we get to the end of this saga with Miami being the only team that Watson has publicly expressed interest in playing for. Um, uh, Adam Schefter from ESPN suggested that the team that was best placed to make a move for Deshaun Watson was the New York Jets. And I, I, my response to that tweet that he sent out was uh, the Miami Dolphins would like to have a word because while the Jets have um, a first round pick in the 2020 draft that is, or 2021 draft rather, that is one pick higher than the pick that the Dolphins have, they don't have the amount of draft capital that the Dolphins do. Um, and I don't know that they necessarily have the resources or the assets that the Dolphins have to play around with and the flexibility, um, you know, and, and without getting into all of the details of it, that yes, the Jets have the second pick. Yes, they have Sam Darnold. And obviously you would think there would be a quarterback involved in this deal, if not the highest pick available so that the Texans could draft a new quarterback. But the Dolphins have Tua. The Dolphins also have somebody like Xavier Howard, who they might wrap up and include in a trade. I'm not saying that that is a good deal or a bad deal or one thing or the other, because I immediately I can hear the Dolphins fans raising their cackles and getting all upset about the fact that we're talking about trading Xavier Howard for Deshaun Watson. But I mean, if the Dolphins could potentially include Xavier Howard in a trade to the Texans to mitigate some of the draft picks and to hold on to some of that draft capital and also free up money to continue to build the offense around Deshaun Watson. I'm not saying that that's necessarily something that's going to happen or that it's a good deal. I'm just saying that I think the Dolphins are in a better position than the Jets to, to make a deal for Deshaun Watson. And without even talking about all of the assets, the only team that we know that Watson has said he wants to go, that he'd be willing or interested in playing for is the Dolphins, at least reportedly. Right. And, and like, here's the thing is that even if they, if, even if you like the Jets draft capital, and even if the Jets decide they like Sam Darnold, uh, if, if they make this trade, the Jets are going to have to give up probably all of their picks, uh, you know, significant picks for the next two years. Uh, and, so the the Texans are, are are getting Sam Darnold, whatever. But Deshaun Watson then has to go to the Jets, who were arguably the worst team in the league. They have the second worst record in the league. They're in complete rebuild build mode. They have no weapons, no wide receivers, no running backs, an offensive line that's in shambles, uh, a defense that's average, and he's going to a team that has now no draft picks. Right. So, so how are they building this team to, uh, around him for the next couple of years? Uh, it just wouldn't seem to be a really favorable spot for him to go to, uh, even if the Texans like their draft capital. And I don't even know if it makes a whole lot of sense for the Texans. Well, I mean, sure. If, if, if look, if the Jets are giving, are, are willing to give more than the Dolphins, sure. But 
I don't know that Sam Darnold is necessarily the prize there because Sam Darnold, you're getting a guy who's got two years left on his rookie deal and you're getting back all of this draft capital. So what your plan becomes trying to win in a two year window with Sam Darnold before ultimately if you decide that Sam Darnold is that is now your franchise quarterback, now you got to pay him the Deshaun Watson contract. Right. Uh, so I, and I don't think anybody right now is of the belief that Sam Darnold is Deshaun Watson. Right now, you can make an argument that Tua has higher upside than Sam Darnold. Absolutely, because unlike Tua, the, the body of work is out there for Sam Darnold. There's enough well, and, tape and unlike out there Sam for the Jets Darnold, to know that Tua, they're ready to move Tua on. Tua isn't me. a turnover machine. Right. Well, I mean, we, we don't. Yes, that's true. That's true. Tua is not a turnover machine unless you look at that game against Buffalo where he had no choice but to throw it and go crazy in very predictable passing situations. Oh, so he had one game where he threw three interceptions we, where I, getting, I think Sam Darnold has had like five of those. We're not having this conversation. There's no conversation to have. It, it, it is what it is. Uh, yes, the Jets do have Robert Sala, who was one of the two head coaching candidates that Deshaun Watson you know, wanted Houston to take a look at. And it just so happens that Sala was <laughs> Houston. There were how many teams were there that were, had head coaching vacancies? Seven, I think. And the Texans were the only one that didn't interview Robert Sala. So anyway, so I could see Deshaun Watson being interested in going and playing for Robert Sala, but you know, Watson has apparently already said that he's interested in the culture in Miami. And that's something that can't be understated because he clearly does not like the culture in Houston. Um, Anyway, we're going to move on from the subject because we could literally do an entire other show uh, talking about Deshaun Watson. We already did it. We released it last week. It's on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. It's on DolphinsTalk.com. Go check it out. It's in the same old Dolphins uh, podcast feed. You can hear us break it down from every angle. Um, We just had to address it because this rumor is just simply not going away. But let's shift our focus now back to the season that was from your Miami Dolphins. And Brain, we, we said this on the show after the disappointing loss at Buffalo to end the season. It, it wasn't the ending to the season that perhaps we all envisioned, but the season this Dolphins team showed us that they are ahead of schedule. I, I don't have what your preseason prediction. What was your preseason prediction as far as what the Dolphins' 2020 record would be? I had us at eight and eight. You had them at eight and eight. I had them at seven and nine, and right. they finished the season ten and six. So they had by by week fifteen, they had already uh, surpassed both of our projected win totals for them this season. So they they had arrived earlier than we expected. They they put it together. They the defense specifically took a giant step forward this season and the offense obviously it it was a lot of fits and starts for it literally fits and starts for the <laughs> the offense this year. Um Fitzpatrick had some very good moments with this team, and we saw some good moments from Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, but we also saw this team dealing with injuries as well. Um, and that is something that just 
the Dolphins just were bit by all year, whether it was. And of course, COVID was a thing as well, which the Dolphins, I think, compared to some other teams in this league, did not fare so badly when it comes to COVID and players having to be on the COVID list. They did lose some players for certain periods of time. Um, There was a game where they lost several members of their defense. And then, of course, Miles Gaskin missed some time. But for the most part, this was a team that fared okay when it comes to playing football in the middle of a pandemic. But they did deal with some injuries as well. Obviously, Miles Gaskin was hurt um, for a period of time. We There was uh, Salvin Ahmed who came in and was a surprise, uh, was hurt for a little while. Preston Williams, as I mentioned, Devontae Parker, Mike Kosicki. You know, they were, they were missing players throughout the year on, on the offensive side. Um, and then Tua, of course, made his debut, and he had some moments that when he was in there with everybody in that Arizona game, when he had a full complement of weapons, he looked as good as, I mean, you saw what everybody was hoping that Tua can turn out to be. We saw that player in that game against Arizona, but then dealing with injuries, Tua himself was was hit with the injury bug there, injuring um, his thumb on his throwing hand. And so, you know, it was a lot of one step forward, two steps back for the Dolphins this year, but they still managed to do really well because of those big steps forward the defense took this year. Um, had the number one scoring defense in the National Football League coming into Week 17, and then just, you know, of course, as we know, got blasted out of the building. Uh, but, you know, I think, listen, we got came into that Week 17 game at Buffalo, and this was a game that all of us said at the beginning of the season. If the Dolphins came into that game and had anything to play for at all, it's already a huge win, and it certainly was. It was a situation where if the Dolphins had won that game, they would have made the playoffs. And while the result is certainly disappointing, I think overall... The 2020 Miami Dolphins season has to be seen as a big step forward for the franchise as a whole and an overwhelmingly positive season. Yeah, uh, without a doubt, look, uh, the macro of it was that in year two of a really aggressive rebuild, this team took a huge step forward on the defensive side of the ball, which was the side of the ball that they really threw a lot of resources into uh, this, this off season. Um, I mean, they threw, they threw resources into the offense as well because of all the guys they put on that offensive line through, via draft and free agency. And obviously they drafted Tua as well. Uh, but they went out and they drafted and, uh, you know, they drafted and, and signed guys on the defensive line. They drafted and signed guys in the secondary. They used a big time, uh, you know, a big chunk of money in free agency to bring in a Kyle Van Noy. Their biggest free agent signings, uh, were Byron Jones, uh, Kyle Van Noy and Shaq Lawson, all three on the defensive side of the football. So, uh, they, they, they spent a lot of resources and Brian, let, like, let's not forget that Brian Flores is a defensive minded head coach. And so he's really trying to implement his defensive system and put his imprint on this football team. And in year one of the rebuild, it was just, you know, it was lop off the talent, try to find guys that, that you can find that'll be here. 
uh, long term, but it really wasn't a foundation. This year, they built the foundation of the team off of, uh, you know, the draft picks that, that they, that they had acquired as well as the money that they had freed up in free agency. They really built the foundation of what Brian Flores wants this team and Chris Greer want this team to look like. And this was your first glimpse at what they are really trying to build. And it almost made the playoffs. And in, in most years, 10 wins is going to make the playoffs, especially now that you have seven teams from each conference making the playoffs. So it was really a statistical aberration that the Dolphins managed to win 10 games this year and not make the playoffs. Uh, so, uh, it, it was definitely a really strong year, a really good year. When you look at the point differential and you see that the Dolphins, I still think, I mean, even with the blowout, Loss. I still think they were in the top ten in the league uh, as far as point differential come the come the end of the season. I could be wrong about that because they got blown out in the last game of the season. But going into the end, going into the last game of the year, they were top five in the in the entire league in point differential. That's something that I don't think we've said we we've been able to say about the Dolphins since you'd probably have to go back to the Marino years. Uh, so. It, it was really a, a night and day turnaround. And that's not to say that this team is elite or on the cusp of being elite. I don't think they're there yet. Uh, I think this team found ways to win the close games that they were in and found ways to put away opponents that they were better than and, and not play to the level of their competition most weeks. And that's a sign of a good team. And so, uh, as long as, look, in, in two years now under this Brian Flores regime, we've seen some trends that, that really bode well. And the fact that we've seen the same kind of things two years in a row, the not getting penalized, being a smart football team, you know, uh, doing the little things well, being sound in the kicking game, uh, thing, things like that, uh, those things bode well because if you manage to continue those and then become a more talented team, then all of a sudden you're a really talented team that does all the big things well and does all the little things well. And that's how you win Super Bowls. Absolutely. And so we saw it that, you know, at the end of the year, this was a Dolphins team that wasn't quite ready for the big, big stage of the playoffs, but Still an incredibly successful year for the Miami Dolphins, falling just a little bit short of the playoffs with that 10-6 and record, which is, like you said, a statistical anomaly. Such a statistical anomaly that had the Dolphins won that game, an 11-5 and Colts team would have been sitting out the postseason. And that would have been a statistical anomaly because they they would have been the only 11-win team to ever miss the playoffs, and they would have done it in a year. Not true. No, the the, the Patriots had an 11-5 team in 2000. Oh, that's right. The Brady year. The the Matt Castle year. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, the Matt Castle year. They went 11-5 and and missed the playoffs. But still, incredible. Incredible. So, uh, at any rate, what a... A, a fun season for the Miami Dolphins, for sure. This was, for me, as a fan, this season was probably the most fun I've had week to week since the Wildcat season. Like, 
I mean, yeah, the year that the Dolphins went to the playoffs uh, and lost that game in Pittsburgh, that was that was fun. But I think that was more about, you know, the Dolphins managed to win a few games, uh, you know, with uh, with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. And, and it, there were some moments in that season that were good. But largely, this was the most fun season as a Dolphin fan uh, for me anyway, since since that wild wildcat year and what was that 2008 so i mean it had been a while since there was a team that was this fun to watch but you know listen like we said positive trajectory things are going in a in a positive direction for the miami dolphins let's take a look now at some of our preseason awards what we're going to do is we so at the beginning of the year we predicted who our miami dolphins 2020 award winners would be and we sort of made our predictions for the award so what we're going to do now is go from award to award tell you who we predicted was going to win the award and tell you who we actually believe the award should go to. For the purposes of this segment, we said at the beginning of the year and we're saying it again now, the same person could not win more than one award. So if, uh, you what's that? Oh, 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 okay. All right. Well, I got to change something up here then. Oh, okay. Well, like it's a brain is going to change something on a fly, but this is what we said. We we said we weren't going to do that. Um, and so just to give you a heads up, you know, so for example, John offered all is not going to be the, both the defensive player of the year and the team MVP, right? It, he's not going to win both of those awards. Uh, so, Let's st- well this year John Offerdahl is not going to win any of the awards. Hate to break it to you. <laughs> um, so let's talk about let's start with Rookie of the Year. Uh, who was your prediction for the 2020 Miami Dolphins Rookie of the Year? So I had picked prior to the start of the season. I thought that Robert Hunt was going to be. Uh, I, I thought that. Austin Jackson would be a starter out of the gate, but I thought Robert Hunt was going to start at guard over Solomon Kinley, and I thought that Robert Hunt was going to start all 16 games and was going to be the best Dolphins offensive lineman. Uh, so I had picked Robert Hunt to be the Dolphins rookie of the year. and uh, Yeah, rookie of the year. And I predicted the Dolphins rookie of the year was going to be the young cornerback uh, Noah Igbenogany, and I thought that he was going to come in and make an immediate impact on this team and bolster and provide some depth for what we already believed was going to be a top five secondary in the NFL, and which we found out was, in fact, a top five secondary in the NFL. Uh, I predicted it was going to be Noah Igbenogany. You predicted it was going to be Robert Hunt. Who would you say is actually your 2020 Miami Dolphins Rookie of the Year. So this is really hard to say because I think that you could make a case probably for five, maybe even six of the rookies. They had 10, well, 11 rookies if you count, well, actually 12 rookies. If you count uh, Lynn Bowden Jr. and you count Savan Ahmed, who were not drafted by the Dolphins, but were rookies this year and and made an impact for this team. But I think all three offensive linemen had at times, uh, you know, played at a really high level. And uh, also, uh, I thought Brandon Jones played really well 
at, at times. I, I thought Brandon Jones to me was the most surprising rookie because I was down on him, uh, coming out of the draft. And I thought by and large, uh, he had a really rock solid rookie campaign. And then don't forget, like, we're not going to give the award to a long snapper, but Blake Ferguson did not have one screw up and has to at least be given some credit to the Dolphins having, uh, you know, Jason Sanders having a tremendous year and Matt Hawk having a tremendous year. Uh, so he deserves credit too. But to me, the guy that really, that I thought was both most consistent from start to finish this year, but also played better as the season went along to me was defensive tackle Raquan Davis. And so he's the guy that gets the award for me. I was really hoping that you were going to go with Robert Hunt and, and say that, you know, he was your prediction and this was who you're going with. Well, if I was to go with an offensive lineman, I probably would have gone Solomon Kindley as far as the rookie offensive line. I thought all three rookie offensive linemen were solid but not spectacular, but I thought Solomon Kinley, I thought Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson showed the most upside at times, but Solomon Kinley, I think, was the most solid start to finish over the course of the year. But I really thought that Raquan Davis, as far as the, making a difference, especially when Devon Godchow went out, uh, or pretty, pretty midway through the season, early part of the season. Yeah, it was early. It was earlier in the year. Yeah, I, I thought at that point, Raquan Davis really got heaped a lot more responsibility on him, and he just responded week after week. It was like every week his snap count was growing, and every week he was putting together a better performance. I thought it was an excellent rookie campaign for Raquan Davis. Yeah, and for the sake of the show, I was going to try to, you know, I was I was thinking that, oh, okay, I'll pick Raquan Davis, and and but you picked him too and i'm literally right. finding it out as we're recording this now but yeah i thought he had a he had a fantastic year with the responsibilities that he was given particularly when in moments where christian wilkins was missing uh, as you mentioned godshaw getting hurt um he really stepped up and and was a, a huge uh, bonus on that dolphins defensive line this year and i think he is one of the things that gives you hope that the Dolphins, you know, I think are only maybe a couple pieces away defensively from having like a truly top tier defense um, in in the league. So I, I was really pleased with uh, the performance of Raquan Davis this year. He is my 2020 Dolphins Rookie of the Year as well. So imagine that. Comeback Player of the Year. Who was your preseason prediction? For Dolphins Comeback Player of the Year. Well, my preseason prediction for Comeback Player of the Year was X. <laughs> he had a down year last year. Uh, even before he got injured, it was very up and down. And then he got injured. And then he had the off-the-field problems. And you know, trade rumors coming into the season. And I felt like, and I, I think a lot of people coming into the season really didn't know what to expect. A lot of people said, Hey, X might have been a one year wonder. He got it. He got paid and now he's, you know, nothing special kind of. Uh, and, and we've seen that from the cornerback position, uh, you know, over the past 
you know, five to 10 years, we've seen a lot of players that have come in and had really great years or, you know, a really great one or two year stretch, get, get paid. And then all of a sudden, uh, they're just nothing special. And a lot of people thought that was going to be the case for X. So my thought was he was going to bounce back and bounce back in a big way. Um, but now I'm starting to want it because, you know, now I was like, well, obviously he's the comeback player of the year, but now I got, I can't give him more than one award. So I don't know if I'm going to give him this award or give him another award. So I got to think about this. <laughs> well, you think about it a little bit. I'm going to get, I know who I'm going to give my award to. And it's, and it's kind of, it's kind of weird to say that it's a comeback for this guy because it wasn't like he had, he had not really ever done anything prior to this year, but I mean, he was really, I guess, if you want to call it the, you could maybe call it a breakout player of the year award, but I'm, I'm, I'm giving it to Zach Sealer, who really showed a lot of promise for the Dolphins this year. And, and after doing, uh, you know, a lot of nothing with the, the Dolphins in, in three games last year, he didn't really do much, um, for the team in, in his, years you know in his his couple seasons with Baltimore didn't do a whole lot but suddenly this year he became an impact player was showing just incredible effort had three and a half sacks um, combined for a lot of tackles but again was just one of those guys on the defensive line that really helped this team make an impact by playing above himself and sort of beyond what you would have expected for him he earned himself a new contract with the team which I think is really great so uh, I'm giving Zach Sealer my comeback slash breakout player of the year award for your Miami Dolphins all right hang on a second I got it. I got a couple of again. I'm 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 changing my mind here on the fly uh, on this. Okay. Let me let me see here. Here we go. This is this okay, is okay. No, stuff. this one this one's pretty easy. I got this. Okay. So, um, look, after a really good, promising rookie season, the Dolphins had a player who, in his second year on the on the team, had a decent year. But I would say probably nobody came into this season feeling like this position was totally on lock for the next foreseeable future. After this season, this position is on lock because of Jason Sanders being arguably the best kicker in the National Football League this year. So last year, uh 23 of 30, he showed promise, but he was a little erratic. This year, he was anything but. This year, he was as close to automatic as it got in the league, uh, especially 8 of 9 from 50-plus, just phenomenal. So I'm going Jason Sanders as your comeback player of the year. I love it. I should mention, I I almost got through this segment without mentioning who my preseason prediction was for Dolphins comeback player of the year because it flamed out so spectacularly. <laughs> my prediction for 2020 Dolphins comeback player of the year, Jordan Howard. Who ran Jordan one yard? Jordan one yard. Who had who ended his his Dolphin stats at the end of the year? Twenty eight carries, thirty four yards, and four touchdowns. 
and and then he was released after the Dolph after he was a healthy scratch for the game against the Chargers. Um, <laughs> just that prediction did not pan out at all. Uh, uh, so Jordan Howard did not end up being the comeback player of the year for the Dolphins. Uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> What are you going to do? Dolphins Offensive Player of the Year. My preseason prediction for the offensive player, I believe it was both of our prediction for uh, Offensive uh, Player of the Year, was Devontae Parker. I thought you had Fitz. No, I had Devontae Parker. Yeah, Devontae Parker. I had Devontae Devontae Parker. We both had Uncle Vontae as our offensive player of the year. And I think by Devontae Parker standards, he did have a pretty good year this year. But I think what we saw from Devontae was that he is he is just not a true elite NFL number one receiver. There is certainly a role that he can play and he can be the big physical receiver that you need him to be, which is good, but he is he has struggled to maintain that kind of consistency that you would expect from a number one receiver. And he is also, as as has been well documented in a number of places, he was just unable to really create a lot of separation and get open to allow himself to catch passes. So uh, Devontae Parker is not the Offensive Player of the Year for the team. For me, my pick, I'll go first this time, Brain, if, if that's all right with you. I think we're going to pick the same guy. We may end up. This guy was talking about a guy who was a breakout player and I think was ultimately. And this was a guy that even during the season, I I still thought at times was eh, maybe he's just a guy. But really, I think made a strong statement and an argument for himself to be a member of this team for a long time going forward. And for me, my Miami Dolphins Offensive Player of the Year is running back Miles Gaskin. He ended the season on a, with 142 carries, 584 yards, and three touchdowns. Additionally, he caught 41 passes for 388 yards and two touchdowns. So he was a versatile back that could be used carrying the ball and also catching passes. And it, this was just, he was... I just think a big surprise coming into this season. All of us expected, you know, Matt Breida and Jordan Howard to be the the dominant running backs for this team. And it we found out in week one of the season that no, Miles Gaskin is the guy that is going to show separation. And when he was out for a little while and Savan Ahmed stepped into his role, Savan Ahmed looked every much the real deal that could be following up Miles Gaskin. But man, when Miles Gaskin returned from his COVID absence and and his injury, his shoulder injury that he was dealing with. And he came back and he, it was that game against Las Vegas. And you really saw the things that Savan Ahmed was not capable of doing that Miles Gaskin was able to do. Um, I, I said, wow. Okay. We know the Dolphins probably still want to be on the lookout for running back, but that becomes less of a pressing need based on the performance that Gaskin put in this year because you see that you could the Dolphins can spend some resources boosting up at wide receiver and other places on the team because Miles Gaskin is a perfectly serviceable at worst starting running back in the National Football League. Now, are the Dolphins going to want to strengthen that position and have a little bit more of a committee or bring in somebody to be a true number one running back? Possibly, but 
Miles Gaskin showed that that is not something that they necessarily need to do. Absolutely. And and that's why Miles Gaskin is my pick as well. Uh, and like, look, like he only played 10 games this season because uh, he missed time with the injury. He missed time with COVID. He only started seven games and he led the team by an extremely large margin uh, in yards from scrimmage. He led the team with 972 yards from scrimmage. Second on the team was Savan Ahmed at 380. Wait, no, that's not right. That's, no, these must be running back numbers. Um, but he still led the, he led the team in, in yards from scrimmage, uh, by a pretty large margin. I think second on the team was actually Devontae Parker. Yeah. At 793, followed by Mike Gasicki at 703, but still by nearly 200 yards and did it in four fewer games than Devontae Parker. Uh, and, this was a Dolphins offense that was much maligned for its inability to create space, uh, for running backs. It's, it's why Jordan Howard, uh, like, you know, the, the question was, hey, is Jordan Howard that bad or was the, the offensive line that bad? Well, it was pretty clear the, the way the season panned out that when Miles Gaskin kept getting more opportunities, Miles Gaskin proved you could be productive behind this offensive line. And, uh, he had an extremely productive season, uh, d- doing what he did off of 183 touches and a 972 yards. If you extrapolate that over 16 games, and he would have had 11.4, uh, touches per game if if he would have had his 5.3 yards per touch uh you know he would have he would have easily uh surpassed uh he, he would have had you know upwards of 1300 1400 yards uh you know as far as total offense he would have not not necessarily pro bowl level but Miles Gaskin had a really really good season and was absolutely a breakout performer and and let's face it it was on an offense that was it was difficult to pick a guy that that stood out i mean it it got to the point where uh you know this was the trickiest award to give away where do I give it to Miles Gaskin, who led the team in yards or scrimmage? Do I give it to Mike Gasicki, who led the team in offensive touchdowns? Uh, do I give it to Devontae Parker? Because when Devontae Parker was healthy and they were throwing the ball to him, he looked, you know, dominant at times. Do I give it to Ted Karras or, or, uh, or, uh, you know, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> the uh the other offensive lineman uh, no 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 the uh the guy uh I, I don't know why I can't think of his name uh the basically the sixth Jesse Davis <laughs> do we give it to Jesse Davis Jesus. for being for being so versatile and reliable because those two guys were the only two offensive linemen that were healthy over the course of the entire season and uh you know Ted Karras the only player on the team to play a hundred percent of the snaps I had to go that deep as far as considering guys to give this award to for offensive player of the year but at the end of the day, look, the guy that got the most yards and did it 
in basically half the time was Miles Gaskin. And I, I think that made him worthy. Absolutely. Particularly a year removed from Ryan Fitzpatrick being the team's leading rusher. It was certainly nice to have a running back be the team's leading rusher. Anyway, Miles Gaskin, your offensive player of the year for the Miami Dolphins from the same old Dolphins show. On the other side of the ball, we had to pick a defensive player of the year. My prediction at the beginning of the season was Jerome Baker. I expected Bake to be uh, my defensive player of the year. Who was your preseason pick, Brain? For defensive player of the year, my my preseason pick was Kyle Van Noy, who the Dolphins went out and spent big money. Just just wanted to go back. I I was I got kind of screwed up in doing that math on the fly before with Miles Gaskin. Uh, if you would have extrapolated his his touches per game with his yards per touch over a sixteen game season this year, he would have had. 1,551 total yards from scrimmage. So he would have had an extremely good year. But as far as defensive player of the year, uh, my preseason pick was Kyle Van Noy. And I'm going to have you go on a little vamp here, Brand, because this has never happened before in the history of our show. I have to pee. <laughs> All right. I'm going to pull a All Ryan right. Fitzpatrick and go pee, and then I'm going to come back and, and bring myself back. And put myself into the game. But as I do that, I want you to talk about your 2020 Miami Dolphins actual defensive player of the year. This is incredible. This is the, the, at least he's not pulling a Lamar Jackson and going number two in the middle of the game. Um, so my preseason pick was Kyle Van Noy. I thought Kyle Van Noy had a really solid year. He did very much Kyle Van Noy things, but I guess that the, kind of. The, the Kyle Van Noy thing to do is to be extremely solid uh, and reliable, but not really spectacular. Uh, the the other guys that, that, you know, the Dolphins spent a lot of money on this offseason defensively had their, you know, they had their moments too. I thought Byron Jones, oh, look, I, I've kind of been on Byron Jones a little bit, but overall, I think he had a solid year. Uh, Shaq Lawson did some things well. Uh Probably as far as value, uh, you, you can make a case for the, maybe the surprise player of the year. You know, you, you would say, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, the surprise player of the year was without a doubt Miles Gaskin, but on the defensive side of the, the ball and probably for the entire team, the surprise player of the year was Emmanuel Ogba, who I think people thought would you know, come in and be a serviceable role player for this team, but nobody thought would have the impact that he would have uh, just wreaking havoc on opposing quarterbacks. But look, let's face it. it, it uh, I, there's a reason why I had to change my comeback player of the year on the fly, because I didn't want to give Xavier Howard the comeback player of the year award, knowing that I couldn't give him the defensive player of the year award because this is a no-brainer. He might be the defensive player of the year for all of the NFL this year. Xavier Howard, without question, my uh, Dolphins defensive player of the year, tying a franchise record with 10 interceptions and being downright the best corner in the National Football League. So Xavier Howard, I was able to get back in time to hear that. So fantastic, fantastic pick. Um, I am not going with Xavier Howard for my defensive player of the year. And, you know, spoiler alert, I'm sure you'll be able to figure out why. 
in in just a moment. But my defensive player of the year for the Miami Dolphins, I, at the beginning of the season, I predicted it was going to be Jerome Baker. But it turned out that my pick is a guy that was not one of the more heralded offseason acquisitions for the Miami Dolphins, but the guy who I think ultimately proved to be perhaps the most important. And I am talking about Emmanuel Ogba, who just became such a vital part of that defensive line for the Miami Dolphins. Just an absolutely great year with nine sacks, 25 solo tackles. He just was such an impact player for the Dolphins. He forced three fumbles, recovered a fumble himself. He just was such a force on that defensive line for the Miami Dolphins. Um, and as one of the sort of at 27 years old, one of the more sort of veterans on the team, I thought just really, really had an impressive season. And I think is was, for me anyway, the Dolphins defensive player of the year. Brain, what did you think of Ogba this year? Well, you missed this because you were in the bathroom, but I gave Ogba a shout out as being probably, uh, you know, Miles Gaskin was your breakout player of the year, uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Emmanuel Ogba was the breakout player of the year on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I want to also give an honorable mention to a guy on the defensive side of the ball that I think, uh, quietly had a very good year and was extremely important to this Dolphins defense, Bobby McCain. Yeah. Uh, almost always in the right place at the right time, almost always, uh, you know, making just making the play that needed to be made, not necessarily the spectacular play, but very rarely missed a tackle, very rarely got beat, was just always and in charge of keeping everybody lined up in that Dolphins secondary. I thought Bobby McCain, uh, ar- arguably one of the most, uh, arguably the most important piece of that Miami Dolphins defense, uh, because of his responsibility as far as being a captain, uh, in the back end. Uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, absolutely. Special shout out to Bobby McCain, who was part of making that secondary elite for your Miami Dolphins. And that brings us to, of course, our 2020 team MVP, our most valuable player in the in the preseason. Who was it that you predicted would be your Dolphins MVP? I think I had Fitz. I thought Fitz was yeah. going to start the entire year. Yeah, so did I. I had Ryan Fitzpatrick as my 2020 Dolphins MVP at the beginning of the season as well. And quite frankly, I don't think it's a huge stretch to say that there's an argument that could be made for Ryan Fitzpatrick to actually be your 2020 Dolphins MVP at the end of the season because really? I think he had I think he really I think he had a, a pretty good year. Brain, you I you got a look on your face. Is Brian Fitzpatrick your 2020 Miami Dolphins most valuable player? Yeah. I mean, you said I can't pick the same guy to win, you know, multiple awards. So I had to get creative and I had to decide, do I want to, where do I want to give? Because really I could have given X three awards. <laughs> I, I could have given him, get, given him comeback player of yep. the year. I could have given him defensive player of the year and I could have given him MVP, but 
I had to, I gave him the defensive player of the year. And quite frankly, when, when I take that away, uh, to me, there's something to be said, not just for the way that he played the quarterback position and the memorable moments that he gave this team again this season, but the way that he galvanizes this team and is the true embodiment of a leader for this team and the way this team rallies around Ryan Fitzpatrick for that reason, to me, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the most valuable player for this Miami Dolphins team. And I'll say this, there was one game this season that Ryan Fitzpatrick was unavailable. He didn't play in every game because he got, you know, he got benched in favor of Tua and we can argue about whether or not that was the right call or not, but he was available in every game except for one. That one game against the Buffalo Bills and the Dolphins completely laid an egg. True. He didn't even make coincidence. (laughs) Coincidence. I I don't know. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's a, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. He wasn't with the team. He wasn't there at all. And the team just wilted. But my 2020 Miami Dolphins most valuable player, as I'm sure you can guess by now, is Xavier Howard. An incredible year. Just absolutely a shutdown corner in the National Football League. Ten interceptions, I think, made a very strong case to be the 2020 NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And just just showed, I think, he is the epitome of what the Dolphins want to continue to happen with their draft picks going forward. You want to have players like Xavier Howard, who you draft and who develop and who become great elite players for your team and who with all things being considered, you know, ultimately stick around and play for your team for a long time. Now, of course, with the beginning of today's show, you end up trading for, for Deshaun Watson, right? But I mean, but that is such an extreme situation. And I think that extreme situation is the only thing that in my mind, that is the only thing, the only acceptable reason for Xavier Howard to not be your a starting the starting cornerback for the Miami Dolphins next year because I think otherwise even though he's going to go into this offseason he just hired a new agent and there's going to be contract negotiations and that's going to be a whole other thing that we're following this offseason he totally deserves it and he showed it on the field this year he is the best of the best in the National Football League and I would put Xavier Howard up there against any other cornerback in the league um Jalen Ramsey, Byron Jones, anybody at all, they they cannot. I I, I don't think anybody is better than Xavier Howard. They may be maybe they're equal, but I think Xavier Howard is the best cornerback in the league. He's played like it, and he was the man that forced all of those turnovers for the Dolphins this year, and was part and parcel of making this one of the best uh, scoring defenses in the National Football League. So Xavier Howard is my 2020 Miami Dolphins most valuable player. And with that, we have reached the end of the 2020 Miami Dolphins season. What lies ahead 
is an offseason full of intrigue and transactions. Even if the Deshaun Watson thing should go away, which it's not going to, but even if it does and the Dolphins end up not going after Watson or, you know, Watson makes peace with the Houston Texans organization, even if that doesn't end up happening, there are still so many twists and turns ahead of us because the Dolphins have money to spend in free agency and they have holes to fill on this roster. So there are going to be a lot of names and faces changing on this team. We talked about how difficult it was to find an offensive player of the year for the Miami Dolphins, it would not surprise me at all when it comes to the skill position players on offense if there were quite a few of the players who you saw this year not on the team next year. And I'm talking about wide receiver. I mean, I think short of Lynn Bowden Jr., I would say Lynn Bowden Jr. is probably the only guy in that wide receiver unit that is a fairly sure bet to be in that wide receiver room come week one of the 2021 season. I think there is a decent shot that this team somehow moves on from Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. Preston Williams has got all the skills in the world, but he's shown that there's there are some injury concerns there. He's had two seasons in the league and both times he's had he's had injuries and obviously he's going to want to come back and the Dolphins are going to want to invest in him and see what he has, but you know, there's there's a real chance, depending on how things shake out in free agency, that that wide receiver room looks very different come week one of the 2021 season. So that's something to keep an eye out for. We've also, you can't forget, the draft is right around the corner and there's going to be some some changes there. Obviously, the Dolphins are going to look to bring in some high you know, some big time talented players. And as you know, if you, if you've been hiding under a rock, the Dolphins coaching staff are going to be leading one of the teams at the senior bowl. And one of the players that has accepted an invitation to the senior bowl is wide receiver Heisman trophy winner, Devonte Smith. He's not going to play. He's not going to practice because he's got a thumb injury, but he's going to be there and he's going to be in meetings with Brian Flores and the Dolphins coaching staff. And that's a guy, that if the Dolphins, listen, if the Dolphins still have the number three pick come draft day, wouldn't surprise me at all to see Devontae Smith joining your Miami Dolphins and seeing him put on a Miami Dolphins cap, whether it's in a room somewhere with a bunch of people around or if if it's in his living room. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Devontae Smith wasn't putting on a Dolphins cap. So anyway, lots of twists and turns to come in this offseason. What's going to happen as far as this show is concerned? The Brain and I are going to take a couple weeks off, or at least we're planning to take a couple weeks off. We'll see. Maybe the news will dictate that we need to come back and do an emergency show. But we're going to plan to take a couple weeks off here, rest up a little bit, enjoy some of the late winter uh, chill time. And then as it as the draft begins to approach, as free agency begins to approach, we will come back and we'll probably get into the habit of doing a show a week. And uh, then, of course, we, we've got some we've got we're already planning um, a draft preview show with um, a, a voice that you have heard on the DolphinsTalk.com network before. Um, so we've got some plans that we're putting together for a draft special. 
And then after the draft is over, the brain, as he did this past offseason, will spend some time reviewing the tape of some, if not all, of the Dolphins' draft picks. And, you know, listen, if the Dolphins end up using all of their draft picks on on players, uh, the brain is going to be very, very busy indeed come the offseason. But uh, the brain will be reviewing the, 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 the film of those players that the Dolphins end up drafting. So you can look forward to some of those solo film breakdowns from the brain. And of course, every now and again, you know, the brain might hop on, do a special solo show. I might hop on and do a special solo show. We may uh, have some other shows on where we've got guests from around the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. We may show up on some of those other Dolphins Talk shows. But you know, and then once we approach the preseason, whatever that looks like, we'll get closer to our regular schedule where we've got a, a show a week. And maybe we'll even throw in a couple more of those uh, retro rewatch shows like we did last year watching, uh, you know, an old playoff game or an old Dolphins game somewhere. We might even throw some of those in there as well. So. While it's certainly the off season, we're not going away. So again, if you haven't done so already, make sure that you are subscribed to the same old Dolphin Show so that we can continue to provide content to you and you can get it directly into your earballs as soon as it is available. Brain, uh, any any parting words that you would like to share with the people before we uh, put a bow on this 2020 season? Uh, just that it was a, it was a hell of a ride. It was a really fun season. I, I kind of echo your sentiment about it being, uh, maybe the most fun dolphin season since that 08 season. I'd say it was about on par with that, with that season, uh, with Adam Gase where the dolphins made the playoffs. Uh, but I mean, those are pretty much those, those are the three seasons. I say, I, I, I'd say those three seasons, these three seasons, this one, those two, and then that one season where, uh, you know, in Nick Saban's, uh, first or second year as the, I think, I think it was his first year as the coach, uh, when we started out three and seven and won the last six games of the regular season to finish with a winning record, uh, building a lot of positivity into the following year where we ended up signing Dante Culpepper. I think uh, those are the only four seasons I can remember as a Dolphins fan where I came out of the season feeling like the season was a success. Like I was happy the way that that season went. So look, I'm 36 years old. It's happened four times. So yeah, you got to enjoy it when it happens. Hopefully we'll be, ha- it'll become more of the norm than the exception. But, uh, for now, uh, I, this was a really enjoyable season. So hopefully we, we build on it because the last three times that we've had seasons that have been successful, we have taken major steps back. So we'll see if we're able to buck that trend this time around. Listen, the Dolphins didn't win a Super Bowl in the 90s, but there were a bunch of those Dolphins teams in the 90s where you had to feel pretty good. Yeah, that were very disappointing because they got to the playoffs and lost. That's true. And most of them, and most of them either lost in heartbreaking fashion or got blown out of the water uh, when <laughs> when they got challenged. You know, I mean, I defy you to pick out another Dolphins team other than those four where you ended that season and you felt good about it. It's fair. It's fair. Well, 
I, I, one other thing that I, listen, we, we, we have a lot of fun on this show and we have a lot of fun on the internet, on Twitter for all of our, our social media followers, followers. And we've gained so many this season, lots of new listeners, lots of new uh, Twitter followers and, and people on Facebook and uh, just a big thank you to each and every one of you for for listening to the show. The fa- I, we've said it before, and and I'll say it again now. The fact that there is anybody, the fact that there is one person out there that isn't in our immediate family that wants to spend an hour listening to two schmucks talk about the Miami Dolphins is incredible to me. It is really truly remarkable, and for everybody that listens. Thank you. Thank you for allowing us into your ears for, you know, a couple hours a week as we do a couple of shows. It is it is deeply appreciated. And everybody who has interacted with us on whatever social media platform um, and, and who has taken the time to leave a positive review and taken the time to leave a rating. Thank you so much. What we we do this because we're going to have the conversations anyway, so why might as well record them and put them on the internet for people. And the fact that there are other people out there who actually enjoy listening to us and and find us entertaining is truly beyond me and truly humbling. And as our audience has grown, um, thanks, of course, in large part to our friends at Dolphins Talk, Mike and Tom and and and, and everybody over there um, that has that has given us a little bit bigger platform. We we really really appreciate it. So I, I don't think we probably we probably don't say it often enough, but thank you to each and every one of you who has taken the time to sit and watch a video on YouTube or, or listen to the podcast and and let us keep you company on your commute or whatever. Thank you. We really really appreciate it. Uh, so that's going to wrap it up. We're going to head into the off season. We're going to take a couple weeks off unless news breaks, in which case we'll be back. But until that next time, whenever it is for Aaron, the brain, take care of yourselves and each other. We will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye everybody. Go Dolphins!